now in-laws and outlaws and everybody and uh, and uh, it was great to see all those who came and visited us uh, down under and the team that was here and uh, there was a lot of the young people and others were there and got to go with Jeremy and I think Jeremy's the new um, the new little ambassador for missions for your youth and things to see a young man like this and then Cody over here and these other young men who are out there and doing things I think that's, that's tremendous isn't it yeah. and I really look forward to see what God will continue to do in the life of each of them and it sort of brings me to a, a thought I want to begin with before I actually start my message and, and this is a verse of scripture that we often hear many many times when it comes to a mission conference how many have ever heard a missions conference I've uh, been to a missions conference heard that at a missions conference few of you where where you hear that great thing who will who will answer this call and there hasn't been really much about that this week there hasn't been many things spoken about this great thing you know who whom shall I send and who will go for us and this is God talking and then Isaiah answers that incredible answer to that call and then he said what do he say here am I send me and that is often a wonderful thing and, and uh, people look at that and you say well if that's missions you know I don't really feel the the call of God to go on any field like these men and women have gone so uh, if that's what missions revival is about I'm, 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 I'm good tonight it's not really going to bother me because that's only really affecting a few people who might be called to go and do that but as I was reading through the New Testament uh, there was a, a little rephrasing of that statement that caught my attention and it was instead of here am I it was a conversation that that God was having with Ananias in Damascus and he was a certain disciple he was a believer and a disciple Ananias and uh, this is what God says to him in a vision Ananias and he didn't tell him anything he didn't say who will go for us he didn't say where he, he didn't give any commission he simply just called his name and here is what he said behold and, and what did he say I am here Lord and it was a, a little bit of a swing around and when I looked at that I started to think about it and I thought you know when you think about here am I it focuses very much on the person and it focuses on a time well it's going to be one time there I'm going to be sent and here am I it focuses in a future it focuses on a when uh, I'm not really sure when when this is going to happen but but here but here am I send me and then something will happen but when it turns around to say I am here the emphasis is on a place and it's on the now and that's what I want to focus on because that then covers every person in this auditorium because some might say well I'm not the first one I'm not the here am I send me so therefore this really doesn't apply to me but I am here applies to every single one of us and, and that's the part I want to focus on because I want to focus on this little thought don't miss what's happening here and now say that with me don't miss what's happening here and now turn to the person next to you and say that don't miss what's happening here and now I want you to get that little phrase in your mind now we're going to start the message everyone okay now we're going to I just wanted to sort of that was like the the pre-game show before the show and so I wanted to sort of get that out there now, now I want to take you to the gospel of John because I love the gospel of John it's one of the great 
gospels that we pick up in there and it's one of my favorite gospels it's unlike Matthew Mark and Luke who who spend their time proving that Jesus was the Messiah through his words and through his works and it focuses on genealogies and miracles and all these things John bypasses that in the very first verse and simply just jumps straight out and tells us that Jesus is God this this is who he is he, he came to this earth manifested himself in flesh and and John writes a lot of detail about relationships that Jesus had with people and and the humility of Jesus in washing their feet and all these little incredible things that basically as Mark uh, Matthew was sort of saying who is this king that Matthew was writing about and who is this great servant and worker that Mark was writing about and who is this incredible man that Luke wrote about John just turns up and Jesus says I am he. This is who I am. And in this Gospel of John, he has many encounters with people, but he especially has encounters with with some women in the Gospel of John that are amazing encounters as you read through them. In John chapter 4, there is an encounter, and we're introduced to a a woman of Samaria. Uh, About uh, two or three years ago, I can't remember now, I was preaching on a missions focus here, and I preached on John chapter 4 on the concept of this woman at the well and how God was reaching out and looking for worshippers. You may remember that if you were here during that period of time. But here is this woman who comes down to a well, you know the scene, and uh, she wasn't coming to meet Jesus. She was just going about her daily routine, uh, getting water. She had no plans to reach out to Jesus. She wasn't like the woman who had the issue of blood, who was hearing about Jesus coming and sneaking through the crowd and reaching out to touch the hem of his garment. That's not her. This woman was, had no intention. This woman is, is need-driven. Uh, she's driven by pure human need. But she ends up having, at that, at that encounter, she has a I am here missions moment. She didn't know that was going to happen to her. She, she didn't realize this was going to take place. And I'm hoping through this week, you will come to the end of this week and this, this tonight and say, you know what, I am here. This is where it is all about. I am here. And, and she didn't understand she was actually going to have a God encounter. She didn't get that. We're not even told this woman's name. We're not, she's identified only from where she's from. She's a Samaritan. We, we understand that's where she is. But we also know a little bit more about her, that she was ever attuned to men around her. She'd been married five times. She's shacking up with another bloke and uh, he'd crawled out the window this morning before Jesus, she meets Jesus. And, and this woman is instantly notes some barriers between her and Jesus through some religious issues, uh, male and female issues. But, but after her encounter with God in the flesh, she is dramatically changed because she's met the seventh man, Jesus. And I want to just read a a small section of what took place when she comes into this encounter with Jesus. Pick it up in verse 25, and here is what the the Scriptures teach us. It says that the woman saith unto him, talking to Jesus, "I I know that Messiah cometh, and which is called the Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, am he. And I think right there, there'd have to be a pause. There'd have to be a moment of, what? 
And he's already confronted so many things in this woman's life. And upon this came the disciples because he'd sent them away to get some food. I want you to remember that. And they marveled that he talked with the woman. What on earth is he talking to her for? Here is Jesus with a single woman uh, out there by himself. What's going on? This is a bit odd. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? And we're not sure what to do. And then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and starts to talk to the men of the city. And here is a woman, drops her water pot because she's now found something in Jesus that makes a difference. And that's a little bit indicative that she's dropped her water pots to indicate that her past is behind her and her future is before her. And she's never going to have to draw where she used to draw from before. She's found something in her life that's far more satisfying and it's going to be Jesus. And you understand when you come to know Jesus, you drop some things as well. There are some things that you held on to, things that you thought were satisfying your life, and all of a sudden you come to Christ and bang, those things seem to drop off, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a habit, whether it be some sin that was just grabbing hold of you, it's there. Now she's focused on Jesus. Now, had the scriptures had stopped there, we would have gone away and said, isn't that wonderful? Somebody has had an incredible encounter with Jesus, and we learn the truth that Jesus satisfies our ever-longing soul. We'd understand that. That would be the end of it from there. We'd, ha- we'd merely have an understanding of conversion. That's all we would know about. And we've heard stories this week about, and last night, the stories about the presence of God in them. And they're tremendous stories. And you could get up and give a story about your conversion experience. And, and they're wonderful stories. But, uh, uh, and you would, we'd get that. But the story goes a step further. The story moves on, and that's what I want to draw your attention to. Because this woman leaves the well scene and moves into the city scene. And like a, like a good play, the curtain has dropped. Act one is over. And the curtain rises, and now act two begins. And it's about to take place. And this woman drops her water pots... And now she becomes a missionary and she kicks into this whole new moment. And here is what the Bible says. And the woman left the water pot. I want want you to focus where she went. And she went where? Into the city and saith to the men. She didn't go to the women. She went to the men at that moment. And she she never got a call from God which said, who will go for us into the city of Samaria? Here am I, send me. She simply just had a, I am here moment, this is, I'm right here in the midst, this is happening right now, and she just gets up, and she goes to the men of whom she was very familiar to be able to converse with, and talk with, and she runs into those men, and, and I love that God uses what this lady is, and she reaches out to men, they respond to her in a way that maybe others wouldn't, and isn't it funny how that God will use something that once worked against us and will now use it to work for him in the kingdom of God? This woman had sordid relationships with men. Now she's come to know Jesus and she's got massive contacts to influences within a city. And then she comes into that place and she says, isn't this the Christ? And then it concludes and said, many came out of the city unto him. And I think it's wonderful that this woman has an I am here moment and just seizes that, jumps into that moment, and then God uses this woman to be able to permeate a city. And God knew something about this. 
he now had to use he now had to use what the enemy would use against you he can now turn that around and use that for his glory i'm so glad about that i i trained as a lawyer practiced in that profession and i'm so glad god was able to take what i thought i was going to spend my life doing and spin that around and switch me from man's law to god's law and it was a call on my life and god used that i love how god used the apostle paul's training as a legalistic pharisee and god used all of that and turned it around for his glory and for his purposes and that's what took place here and this woman literally she moves off into samaria and ends up having a missions revival that's what we're trying to understand about today she jumps into this and and sometimes some people can spend the rest of their life feeling guilty about uh and depressed over their past and what they used to be before they came where they came from or you can thank god that you survived he saved you and he's using you for god's glory because let me tell you there's not one person here tonight that god cannot use turn to the person next to you and say this god can use you tell them right now god can use you and let me put this ready god can use you now now not somewhere in the future now this is where it can take place from here and this woman comes back she she impacts this entire city notice what happens then they went out of the city and came to Jesus this woman had a massive impact and god went into a city and did the almighty through the most unlikely and i just see what god did here and it's this point where the disciples come back and therefore said the disciples one to another boy what what's going on here because jesus is speaking to them and saying some things and says this because uh, they didn't they've gone and got food and he doesn't want it and they says any man brought him what to eat and jesus says this he says my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work and then he wants to focus in on what they're thinking because they were thinking somewhere future in what how god works and they were missing what god was doing right here and now and they he says say not ye isn't that what you guys think that there are yet 4 months and then come at the harvest but i want you to understand something i say unto you i want to change your whole thinking i want you to start to think here and now not when and then i want you to think a whole different whole concept from here because they're thinking a whole different area and Jesus is saying this to them he said i want you to don't miss on what's happening right here and now don't miss that and you say well how do i not miss that how do i get that in my mind to be able to say simply to jesus right now i'm here how do i get that what can i learn from that and i want you to think about three things here number one is this realize this that god is actually feeding you here and now and i want you to think through this with me everyone got their thinking caps on tonight god is a strategic god and jesus begins to put this woman into perspective with his plan and he has a plan for this woman that's part of the plan that god has and the reason for him to go through samaria at the very beginning of john chapter 4 the bible tells this and the bible makes a comment and says that he's gone from judea departed into galilee and uh and i've been that journey i was there last year and saw where that is where galilee is and how you get up to uh where judea is right with jerusalem and then getting back up to where the sea of galilee is and i can see that and he says and he must needs 
go through Samaria. And he makes this statement of he must do this. There's something about the will of God for Jesus to go through an area that was often forbidden for Jews to go through. And you say, well, why, why would Jesus want to go to Samaria anyway? What, what's happening there? And he meets that woman. When he meets that woman, I want you to notice what Jesus is seeing here. Jesus is there with this woman, and it's a point of initiation. And, and he starts to plant the seed of the gospel into this woman. And in doing so, he's planting the seed of the gospel in Samaria. And he starts to rejoice over the seed. Now, here is where we often get all messed up. We rejoice in the harvest. And we rejoice in the when and then. Jesus is so excited that what's taken place when he was able to simply give the gospel to this woman and she takes that seed. Remember, he's got to go into Samaria. He's got a far bigger picture. And he's excited about this. And he doesn't wait until he sees the harvest before he says, boy, this is satisfying. This is so satisfying what's taken place. In fact, he turns around and his disciples are saying, do you want something to eat? And he says, oh, I'm full. I am so full. I mean, I've had some good meals in life and uh, some meals where you think, oh man, I'm groaning and moaning afterwards because that was so incredible. And you think, my, I am full. And you couldn't stuff another thing into your mouth and then you try again and you want to jump up and down and get it down further so you can stuff more in because it's such a great meal. But Jesus says this, he says, I have meat to eat. You guys have no clue about because you, don't, you are not seeing what God is doing now. You, all you saw was a woman talking to me at the well and not understanding what's taken place. And he said, my meat, I want you to hear this, my meat is to do the will of him that absolutely sent me. And sometimes we judge our success and we get all excited because we hear of the numbers that got saved or, or, or we see baptisms and they're good things to be excited about. And we think, oh, isn't it great that we just heard about so many people and, and we, we, we validate what we do on a success through some number, something that's come out through that. And Jesus says, what are you doing that for? You missed what happened here and now. I just got to sow a seed. And, I, and you understand, you sow a seed, if you have any farming understanding, something's going to come up in some point in time. And you rejoiced at the fact that I got to do that. And he said, you know, when I got to do that, oh, oh it fed me. Whoa, I feel so full from doing what God told me to do. My meat, what feeds me, is simply to do the will of God. This week, you have an opportunity to be fed and be so full. Not because there are people who have missions of people who have been saved in China and Dominican Republic and, and those and, and Vanuatu and Australia or wherever, Brazil. Not because of that. Because you've got to do the will of God. And when you do the will of God, you realize, oh, that's happening right now. And I don't have to wait until something happens in the future. And, and the moment I do the will of God, it, it feeds me. And I realize that the feeding is doing the will of God right here and now, not waiting around until some news of the church has boomed or, or this has taken place. And that's very, very difficult for us to grasp in our result orientated church world you understand that some some missionaries of years gone by 
could have been depressed their entire life. They never saw hardly any converts. But their work was a seed that just blossomed into something in years to come, sometimes after their death. Jeremy showed you a video last night. Do you want to know what happened to the first guy who turned up? Martyred. There's a great book called One by Blood. This whole place, the islands were won by blood through what, about seven different missionaries who went there, one after the other, killed, 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 killed. Boom, someone got saved. Someone was able to stay. You all know the story of, of Jim Elliott and the Orca Indians and, and what happened there. Was that an absolute waste or would Jesus say, whoa, wasn't that amazing, the seed that was sown? Don't miss what's happening now. Well, it was a tragedy. Don't miss what's happening now. Jesus says this is what took place and otherwise what can happen, you, you miss these things. You've got to change your mindset because Jesus is saying, you keep saying something then, but I'm telling you something now. And otherwise you'll get to a point where, and I'm saying this to preachers, singers, musicians, uh, ushers, missionaries, greeters, volunteers, people in the church here, church members, you think, boy, I don't see much happening I'm not really sure what's happening. And you've got to say, you know what? I get fed from the work. You know, my meat is to do the will of him. Do you understand when you stood up here singing tonight, you were getting fed. You think, boy, I, th- I thought they were sort of wearing themselves out. No, you're getting fed. When you sit there as a church member and encourage your preacher and do different things, you're getting fed spiritually, but you're actually feeding as well. When you do the things that God wants you to do, you're getting fed. When you do this, you're getting fed. And don't miss what God is doing here. Otherwise, what can happen is you can end up getting weary in well-doing. You're saying, I haven't seen much happening. I've been, I've been given this money week after week. Haven't heard too many good reports yet. You know what? We've been supporting the Connors over there in China. Haven't seen too much things. Saw a few, few, few little houses, churches there. Saw this building go up and that was nice in the Dominican Republic. But haven't heard nothing for the last six months. Not much really happening. You've just missed it. You've missed. Your, 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 your meat is in looking for something to happen in the future. Your eyes are looking to a harvest to feed you. And Jesus says, I got fed from just doing the will of God. It strengthened me right now. And, and that's why we say, listen, you, you, you keep doing this. Don't, otherwise, you're going to get weary with this. And you're going to think, well, I don't know. This week's a bit tight. No, we sure want to do that. Or maybe, is it really worth it? Yeah, listen, this is what feeds you. To know, God, I did your will. Thank you, God. And the satisfaction that comes from knowing, I just did the will of God in my life from there. Second thing I want you to tell is readjust your focus to the here and now. I want you to think about what's taking place. Jesus is the great instructor, the great teacher, and he uses this woman to give a disciples an amazing lesson because the disciples didn't see the now. All the disciples saw was a woman. They didn't see what God was doing there. And sometimes the problem with the disciples is our problem. They're looking somewhere future. And Jesus is saying, don't miss what's happening right now. Some will say this, you know, I can't wait until 2018. In 2018, then this is going to happen. When this happens, then this will take place. I can't wait until I finish Bible college. Then God will really be able to use me. I can't wait until I get married because then I'll be really happy and be able to do these things. I can't wait until I get that job. Then I will be able to do this. I can't wait until... And we keep looking to some when and then moment and we miss 
what God is doing now. He turns around and he says, say not ye get four months and then comes the harvest. Jesus says, I want you to look around now. You're missing everything. You're missing what God has already done here because we, our perception often throws God's power somewhere into the future. And we often say, well, God will do something there. We sing about it. Some of the old songs was things like this, you know, some glad morning, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away then. Well, what about now? What about, hey, you know what? This is the day the Lord hath made and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. We, we focus in, you know, in the sweet by and by. Well, what about the nasty now and now? It's still now. Uh, you know, I, I think about songs. Well, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And yes, it will be. But what about now? That's what I love these songs that you were singing tonight. They, they were now songs. They were songs about now. We are the light of the world. Not somewhere then. Now in this moment because I tell you what type of God we serve we serve a present God we serve a now God not a when and then God a now God we serve the same Jesus that was yesterday today and forever nothing's changed and we can get hold of that it will help you and the disciples just didn't perceive that this woman was a now moment they missed it they didn't get that from there and and sometimes some of you might be sitting here through this week and thinking, well, this missions conference, one day that we'll see a result from it. One day we'll see a result maybe from doing this. You've missed it. That's the, that really is the here am I, send me approach. I want you to understand the I am here. And I'm readjusting my focus to the now. I have the opportunity to sow a seed of giving. I have an opportunity to sow a seed of a gospel track. I have an opportunity to get involved with something right now. And Jesus says, I want you to lift up your eyes. I want you to get your eyes readjusted. If, you, if you're walking along, ever seen people use their cell phone and walk along like this? And then trip over, fall into fountains or fall into stuff. You ever seen that? Anyone ever done that? Well, never confess that. You're sort of <laughs> and you're sort of walking along and not really paying attention. And, and you've got to lift your eyes up. He said, I want you to get a whole different look. I want you to look differently. I want you to change your perspective. See, see, we miss the values of things and we, we mess up values. We get them on the wrong things. You think about this. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I can't, when I, when I write something on here, I put that money into the, offering bag I don't see the eternal work I can't see that so therefore sometimes I switch my value for example let me tell you what happened I was in um, talking to a Papua New Guinean preacher he was up in the highlands of Papua New Guinea and uh, he said there was an incredible robbery that took place he said it was an amazing robbery because when people the store owners came back they knew there had been a break-in, but nothing was stolen. They couldn't work out what had happened. Well, it wasn't until a couple of weeks later that they figured out what had happened. The thieves had broken into the store, and what they decided to do was switch price tags. 
and they took things that were worth $1,000, and this was before bar scanning and all that sort of stuff, you know, they put a $1,000 tag on a $100 item, and a $100 tag on the $1,000 item. And they did that all throughout the store on all these little things, something that was $200, they switched it for a price tag for $50. Then they came in and bought all of these items that had swapped the values, and then went and resold them and made their money. Somebody switched the values. Let me tell you what the devil does for you and me. Gets us to switch our value. And all we ever see is we start to think about things and and temporal things and we miss an eternal impact that's happening here and now. And therefore, because we can't see it, because we can't touch it, because we can't feel it, we then think, well, it's not happening. And God's saying, no, it is happening. It's an eternal work. Change your focus, lift your eyes and get them up off different things and see them because that's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to lift your eyes from things around you and toward others and realize there is an eternal work taking place and all those disciples saw was some Samaritan woman. And Jesus says, you missed it. That woman's a seed. That woman's, gonna, that woman's been planted. That woman's going to do an amazing thing for God. She is a seed, don't miss that. And I want you to think about the people in your own city, the people in these people, where they're reaching. Well, you don't understand, when you put a dollar in to help with this and you do anything, you hand a gospel track out somewhere, when you do any of those things, you are planting a seed. What do you see? What, what do you see when you lift up your eyes? When you look around Hot Springs, what do you see? When I look around Rockhampton in my town, and Jeremy looks around Luganville and Big Bay and his town, I see little kids from broken homes. I came from a broken home. Broken dreams. No hope of heaven. Uh, I, I see disillusioned teenagers who are trying to make sense of a, a senseless world. Smoking, doping, sleeping around, blinded by, by humanistic teaching without God, headed for hell, completely blinded to their condition. I see families just uh, struggling, struggling to find something that might bring some happiness to a, a, almost like an internal war-torn home, something that can endure beyond the fleeting happiness of a weekend activity. Uh, I, I see whole nations when I look around the world, and if you do lift up your eyes and look around, uh, right, you, you'll see people trapped behind the walls of Hinduism, trapped and blinded behind the walls of Islam, Buddhism, paganism, with billions lost. But if I don't switch my focus and I just uh, start thinking, well, you know what, maybe one day something will happen to them, I'll miss what God is doing here and now and I'll miss the I am here moments right now and opportunities to impact right now. Missions revival doesn't happen somewhere in the future. Missions revival happens now. It's the here and the now. So let me give you the last thought here. We need to rejoice. And here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about rejoicing. Rejoicing now by faith. And rejoicing by what you do by faith now, not something that happens in the future. I thought it was interesting that Jesus began his conversation and his whole journey with the thought that he said, I must needs go through Samaria. When I was standing in Israel, I was on the, on the uh, precipice 
of uh, Megiddo on one side and then the valley of Megiddo in between and then Nazareth and the hills of Nazareth way over the other side. And I remember turning around and they said, if you look back behind you over Megiddo, you'll find that's all Samaria. And then I went to the place where I was at Nazareth and started to look at the, where Jesus would walk down a certain trail and we were going to start to walk that trail that would give him away that most Jews would walk around and bypass Samaria because you didn't want to even touch the dust of a Samaritan. If some Samaritan came by, you'd spit on the ground because they were, were nothing. Well, Jesus says to his disciples, you know what, when we're coming back to Galilee, we're not going to take the old route. We're taking a new route. We're going to leave our comfort zone. We're going to leave our comfort zone because God's doing something now. And I want us to go through Samaria. Later on, Jesus would uh, again give part of his commission when he was about to ascend and, and he would say this, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. That's okay, I'm a Jew, I don't mind that. And in Judea, don't mind them either, more Jews. And in Samaria. And I, I sort of wondered... Why did Jesus give so much attention to Samaritans? The Samaritan woman, the good Samaritan, go to Samaria. Why why was he doing that? Because he diligently wanted to change the minds of people, to overcome prejudices. So if you cannot overcome a prejudice, you cannot overcome a limitation in your mind and a barrier in your mind, you'll never get to the uttermost. And I want you to see what can happen right here and now in what's taking place because you realize God may even have a plan for people you don't even like and here is Jesus running into some things and he sat by a well and little did the lady realize that he was a well sitting on a well and there she comes to him he sat there all day think about this Jesus the creator of the world sat there all day waiting for a nameless woman because he said She's part of the plan. And he starts to rejoice right at that moment to the point where he says, man, that's been an incredible feed just talking to that woman. That's satisfied me today. Jeremy's working with people in Vanuatu right now. They've turned up on his doorstep from Ambe, that volcano thing. Now, here's what you could do. You could rejoice now that these people have turned up and there's an opportunity to minister into their lives. Or you could say, well, I wonder what's going to happen in the future. Maybe when they go back to their island or, or this happens somewhere back then, that's the time to rejoice. And I want to say to you, Jeremy didn't say, here am I, send me to Ambo. Jeremy simply turned around and says, I'm here. Now I can rejoice right now because I'm sowing seed right now. And this is where we are. And I think what this woman has become, she's become part of the team like you and I can become part of the team. See, Paul said it this way. He said, I've planted and Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. So that neither he that planted is anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. We all do different parts. We're all doing different parts. And he says, now this person that plants and he that waters are what? We're all part of the whole. Jeremy's planting right now into some people in Maambe. We don't know what will ever happen to those people. It might be generations to come that something ever comes out after someone else waters. So does he wait until we hear years later that somebody 
churches were started in Armbay and great works began and then we rejoice or do we rejoice now that there was a seed sown? We rejoice now in the here and the now. Now let's go back to our story with this woman. Jesus said this to his disciples when they were sort of getting confused. He said, he that reapeth receiveth wages. You're going to get something and gathereth fruit unto life eternal and both he that soweth and he that reapeth may what? Rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. And Jesus said, I sent you to reap, that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you've entered into their harvest. Let me encourage you tonight, what you're doing. When you get involved with this, you're laboring. You're a laborer now. Someone else, Cody, Jeremy, uh, Elson, the Connors, uh, Peter and the others that may be here, uh, Brother Bowie, they may reap, but you're doing this together. So do I rejoice when we reap, or do I rejoice when I get to sow the seed? I rejoice when I say, God, I, I'm rejoicing right now. You've given me a chance to be part of something right now, and I'm jumping into this, and this is what Jesus saw, and he turns around, and this takes place, and he says, and this is the result. They, they go in and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the saying of the woman. That's why Jesus rejoiced, because he sowed a seed in that woman's life. I started to think through this, and uh, these guys are going to come and play this great song that you sang earlier, but we get in on the blessing of so many other people's labors. And I want you to understand that there'll be many that will get in on the blessing of your labors. And so you don't rejoice when the reaping takes place. You rejoice when you get a chance to just be part of whatever part you are doing. And you say, God, thank you. This is amazing that we actually get to be, that you think out of all the people of Hot Springs, all the people of this city, we get the chance to sow. We get the chance to be a light of the world. We get this chance from here. There was a great story that goes this way. There was a man by the name of Edward Kimball. This guy was a Sunday school teacher and he won a young man to the Lord and uh, he got all stirred up and that new convert got the secret of the Lord's power upon his life and that new convert was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, obviously, if you know, became a great evangelist throughout your country. D.L. Moody then took off and took off to England to preach and he was there in England and a man by the name of F.B. Meyer heard him preach and he didn't, wasn't too stirred up by what he had heard, but he went back to his church and one of his Sunday school teachers came and said to him, Brother Meyer, what D.L. Moody preached has greatly impacted the young people in my Sunday school. They're weeping, they're confessing, they've got incredible testimonies and the Holy Spirit has just come all over these young people's lives. He got F.B. Meyer so stirred up, he started to ponder upon that and that testimony of that teacher of the testimony of the children and the young people impacted F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer was then invited to go to the United States and come back to your country. And he came and he went to Furman University and there was a, a young preacher there who was uh, ready to quit the ministry, ready to walk away from everything. He said, I've had enough, I can't take any more. And F.B. Meyer came along and preached the gospel. And there was a man by the name of R.G. Lee. And R.G. Lee turned around and said, I'm going to start to go back and do something for God. R.G. Lee 
end up becoming the pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and set the pavement and set the groundwork for a future pastor called Adrian Rogers, who was one of your pastors, incredible mentors, heroes, and instructor in both this, your pastor and his wife's lives. And you are benefiting from a seed that was sown by Edward Kimball. Well, F.B. Meyer preached and R.G. Lee was involved with different things and R.G. Lee went on and done his stuff, but F.B. Meyer continued to preach and there was a man by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. And he got set on fire by the preaching of F.B. Meyer and it began to stir up the whole northeastern coast and because of Chapman's preaching, he was invited to preach at different places and ministries were changing and, and things were happening and city crusades and he said, I need a helper to help me do all the work and they said, well, there's a young man in the church who needs to get a bit of direction and need to work. And uh, his name was Billy Sunday. And he became J. Wilbur Chapman's helper. And, and he was influenced by Chapman and got involved in the ministry in, in these different areas and continued to do that. And, and as he was involved, there was a group of laymen that got stirred up and inspired and organized a big meeting. And they invited Mordecai Ham to come along and preach. And he was preaching in Kentucky and different places. And when he was preaching there, there was a young, young boy, a young man who ends up trusting Christ and his name was Billy Graham. Uh, but there was a seed sown way back there. Where do we rejoice? You rejoice at that seed. Way back there. What God did then. And then many years later, things took place. There was a young boy who was uh, living in the, in the streets of Sydney, in the places of Sydney, and uh, his parents split up when he was eight years of age. He would hear fights and hammers and things smashing through walls and uh, all the things that would happen around his home. Uh, he'd wander the streets at night times to get away from the disasters that were happening in the home. When his parents split up, he ended up moving from house to house and going from place to place and stayed with some friends and ended up in the streets of King's Cross in Sydney, which is not a very good area, and uh, was around drug life and uh, prostitution and all sorts of things as a 13-year-old boy. Then as a 13 to 14-year-old boy, he was invited to a Billy Graham crusade in Sydney. And I went to that crusade because that 14-year-old boy was me in 1979. I sat up and it was at Ranwick Racecourse and I knew the racecourse well because my grandfather would take me to the races all the time. And I stood up in the, sat up in the stands and heard a man preach. I never heard this before. And I sat there and an invitation was given to come forward to accept Christ as Savior. And I sat in my chair and I, thought, I felt like my body was lifting up to say go and I said I can't go, I gotta go and I, oh, I can't go and, I, and eventually I went. And I stood there and a man by the name called Guy came and saw me and was my counselor. And Billy Graham took us through a whole prayer of salvation and I got it sitting up here and I still have it there. And I told you about that earlier where he said, for God so loved the world. And he said, Billy Graham said, cross out your name and write, cross out the world and write Robert. And that day I trusted Christ as my savior, 14th of May, 1979. But there was a seed sown by Edward Kimball. There was a seed sown by D.L. Moody. There was a seed sown by F.B. Meyer and J. Wilbur Chapman and R.G. Lee and, 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 and Billy Sunday and Mordecai Ham and Billy Graham 
and there were seeds sown by other people. I went home that next morning and I saw my mother and I said to my mum, I said, mum, something happened to me last night and she, what happened to you? What, what trouble did you get into? I said, no, there was no trouble. I said, I, I got born again. She said, where did you go? I said, I went to a Billy Graham crusade. I had no idea what it was, but I just went and this man was yelling and screaming and talking about Jesus and I trusted Jesus. And I'm born again. My mum started to cry. And she said, Robert, she said, 10 years ago when you were four years of age and your dad and I were busting up and having fights, I went to a Billy Graham crusade and I got saved. And so we went, my mum said, where's your, where's your friend who took you to go to church? And I said, I don't know. We rang them up and they said, we go to a Baptist church in town. So my mum said, well, we're going there tomorrow. And the rest is history. So where do I rejoice? I rejoice now when every moment has taken place. And I want to encourage you, don't miss what's happening right here and now because that's missions revival. That's what's happening. We are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Not, not somewhere, now. Right now. That's a now moment and an opportunity to say, God, thank you that this is a now moment and you're feeding me through this. And I want my focus is on this now. And God, I just want to rejoice right now by faith in what you're going to do because it's not what's going to happen in the future. God, I'm rejoicing because this seed has a job to do and I'm getting a part of that. May God help you as you do that to realize revival begins now and you will plant seeds continually in life. That's the moment. When you guys went to Vanuatu, do you know where the rejoicing moment was? The rejoicing moment, there was lots of things to rejoice along the way. The rejoicing moment was when you said, I'm going to go. And then there was another rejoicing moment when some of you and your parents and others said, here's some money we're putting into you. We're sowing that into you. That's a rejoicing moment. Now, you didn't know what was going to happen. But I've heard testimonies of lives that have been transformed. Do we, where do I rejoice? At the transformation? No, no, no. Oh, we rejoice there too. But I rejoice when that money was sown into that life to buy that ticket. That's where I rejoice. That's the now. And uh, there will be some who will say, here am I, send me. But every one of us can say, I am here. Use me. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are a now God, that you're not a God of the distant. You're a God of the now. And Lord, I want to uh, just encourage us as we're part of what you're doing, that 